everybody. Welcome to Why It Matters, the podcast for the dreamers and the driven who are changing the world their way. This is Luke Morteros, your host, and our guest today is Nikki Scott. Mr. Scott, better known as Dr. Compost in his academic circles, studies composting in England. He teaches kids about the benefits of soil and mud through hands-on learning. They learn a valuable lesson as playing in the mud can increase your serotonin levels, which affects your happiness. Before this conversation with Nikki, I thought of composting as the place to throw away biodegradable items like apple cords and banana peels. Turns out, the importance of composting is much deeper than that. According to Nikki, every great civilization has failed because they destroyed their soils. Who knew dirt could be so important? Before we listen to his story, everybody take a second to settle in, appreciate where you are, and take a deep breath with me. And now, off to the episode. And we are live. Nikki Scott, a.k.a. Dr. Compost, thanks for coming on to Why It Matters. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. So to start off, I think I would love to know and the audience would love to know, where did you get your nickname? Ah, (laughs) Um, well, I guess I've been around compost a lot of my life. I went went to a very... uh, strange uh, progressive school in in devon which is in the southwest of england and one of the teachers there had a composting business and he started employing me at weekends just to help bag it up and he used to go and collect um, materials from around the local town um, and and old used um, uh, mushroom compost and stuff like that mix it all up and compost it and made a beautiful compost which he bagged up and he, then I went to art college for a few years and I didn't have a great time. And I saw him again because we'd become very good friends. And he said, oh, why don't you study organic gardening instead? You know, so I went and studied at the, what's called the Henry Doubleday Research Association, now Garden Organic. So um, similar to your sort of Rodale, you know, sort of set up. And um and we did a lot of composting there and I learned about no dig and I learned about hoogle culture and I learned about how you actually use compost. And also, and, and from the, the teacher at school, Dick Kitto, he was called, uh, about um, not, no such thing as waste. So I think that's a very important com- concept for composters. That So I started, if you're a no dig composter and you don't believe in waste, you need lots of material. So every time you see anything that could be composted, like a, thatching straw from a local thatcher or the guys with chainsaws collecting chippings or the guys collecting leaves off the street or whatever I go up to them I go up to them and talk to them and say hey what are you doing with that you know and do you want to do you want to deliver it around to me and you know and so you get a lot of materials and then I was approached by a publisher um, Green Books it is in UK it's part of uh, Chelsea Green in the States is the sort of sister organization and they, they invited me to write a little book on composting, which I did. So I've written a little one. I'm just seeing if I've got, oh, yeah, I have got it there. I wrote, this was my first little book, just a little booklet. Um, 
it was so can I just stop you there and, and plug the book? So it's called Composting for All, and it's by Nikki Scott. And is there any platforms yeah. like Amazon that the audience can get it on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Chelsea Green was probably the best. I think they'll sell it through Chelsea Green because I did that one. Then I did um, this one, which is on recycling, reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, there's also, there are American versions of it. I'm just seeing if I've got the, well, I have got in my bookshelf, I've got the American versions. There's a, there's a composting one. That's the, that's the, that's the American version. And there's the, uh, reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, one. And then I, and then I went on to write, um, an even bigger one. <laughs> so this is the one that's just been reprinted. Uh, updated full color how to make and use compost um and obviously it's a it's a proper big book you know it's not not a little booklet so and i've also written quite a few manuals for schools and all the rest of it so i guess that the dr compost came along to answer your question uh, which i'd nearly forgotten um sort of came about through being a little bit of obsessed with composting but also people seem to like the way that I wrote and the way that I did it and then I got employed by the local uh, I started a project here in Chokeford um, um, on uh, all around composting which has developed into a community business which has been going for over for nearly 30 years now and then I was employed by the local authorities to help um, people set up projects and then I worked with lots of schools and I've worked with uh, I've done work, I've done, and then we had a national network, which we set up. So it's kind of spiraled and grown uh, in different ways, you know. Okay, so what is composting? Well, what is it? On, on the basic, the most basic level, it's just taking materials which have recently been, you know, which were alive very recently. So that could be all your food waste, all plant waste, you know, animal manures, uh, all those kind of materials autumn leaves and so on and and it's putting them together in the right ratio and and normally the what happens with the composting books all the books that i've ever read talk about uh, you know it sounds like you need to have a degree in chemistry to really understand how to do it because they're talking about ratios of carbon and nitrogen and what i do is i talk about air and water so the materials which are tougher and harder, like your twigs and your wood shavings and, and wood chip and those kind of materials are hard and they allow air through a heap. And the other materials are soft, uh, soft and they're full of water. So all, all plant tissue and, and all your kind of kitchen peelings, then they're made up mostly of water. So you have water and air and you basically need to mix those two types of materials together to get the ideal ratio um, of air and water because it's a biological process. It's not a chemical process. It's a biological process which involves all the kingdoms of life, actually. So you've got an awful lot of small, mostly bacteria, different types of bacteria, and you've got the fungi in there, and you've got lots and lots of microorganisms um, and, and macroorganisms, you know, going right the way up. So you're, it's, it's all being turned. So I guess what it is at the end of the day 
as we say, is, is all the excreta of all these minute organisms and then finally worms which come in at the end generally as the maturation phase. And so you end up with this wonderful, rich, humus-like material. Okay, so for some of the people listening who probably don't know some of those terms, what is the excreta and what is it? What does the process look like? So as, as me, that when I think of composting, I think of I have a banana peel, I have um, apple core and I have some leaves and I think I'm going to put that stuff in a little place in my yard and that'll biodegrade and it'll turn into, into something new. And so is that what people should think about when they think of composting or is there something more complex or what is the, what's the output for what you're doing? Yeah. So basically, I mean, if you chuck an apple, if you chuck a pile of apple cores and banana peels in the corner of your garden, they're going to rot. Okay. They're going to, there's, so there's a difference between rotting and composting. So composting is a sort of, it's, a, it's basically a man, it doesn't really happen in nature. You know, animals don't pile up materials, so they compost. Um, so it is, it is bringing together those different materials. And so you're, it's a sort of accelerating, accelerated rotting, but with air. So we call it aerobic composting because you need that air. So because most, most of the biological organisms need air, um, then that is the way to do it. The ones that don't need air um, tend to produce methane and other green, powerful greenhouse gases. So we really want the ones that we don't want that because we don't want to get people, like if you cut your, your lawn, your grass cuttings, and you just chuck them in a pile, you're going to create a very smelly pile of grass cuttings and that will be belching out methane and that will be very bad for the atmosphere. But if you've layered that, if you've mixed it or layered it with cardboard, with little bits of twig, with shavings, anything that will allow the air in, which these are the high carbon uh, materials, then uh, you will allow an airflow. And instead of getting a sludgy pile, you will get, um, you will get a lovely um, composting happening. So you can use a bin. We call them Dalek bins here. You know, those conical shaped bins. Um, and you can you can just layer them up so you can put like a layer of, of sawdust in the bottom, then a layer of grass cuttings and, a, you know, a, another layer of, of, of wood chip or something like that. And then your and then your kitchen stuff. So you as long as you're mixing or layering those kind of air and water materials equally, uh, pretty much through the heat, then you will get you will have the ideal conditions for the bacteria to pro proliferate because they can multiply so fast that if you started off, if you imagine if you started off with just one bacteria colony, say over 24 hours, they would can double every hour. So after 24 doublings, you get up to 8 million, which is astonishing. If you think about that, if you could do it, I get kids to do that on their calculators sometimes. Right? What happens if you just double and double and double? You get one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, and so on. And then it suddenly gets into big, big numbers. And after 24 doublings, you've got to 8 million, over 8 million, actually. And then, and then of course, the next one is 16 million, and then, you know, so on. Gotcha. So you get heat. So you get heat. Um, it, it generates its own heat then as well. Okay. So just stepping back and looking at the context of, of composting. So why, why are you doing this? Why does this matter? And what is, 
what are you going to do with that 8 million bacteria? Like what is the bacteria yes. going to do for you? What's the output? So the output is, so I suppose um, stepping back, the main reason I want to make compost is because we have um, degraded our soils on this planet. You know, if you think every great civilization um, has failed ultimately because they've destroyed their soils and our civilization right now is no different. In fact, the degraded soils around the planet are so bad that we, we need every little scrap of help. Everybody needs to know about soil building and sequestering carbon. So there are some great kind of, you know, obviously farmers are better placed to do that through no till, no digging. Because every time you dig, you release carbon. So and you and you start to destroy the soil. You 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 cut up worms. You're destroying that ecology in the soil. So we want to keep this. We want to keep the soil covered. We want to keep it unplowed, and we want to work with nature, not against it. So that's the big thing. So working. So these billions of bacteria are our first little helpers on that on that stage. And and the mycelium, the fungi. So the mycelium can go. You know, they can help plants to grow. They also help to break down the woodier fraction of our compost, the cellulose and the lignins, the mycelium get in and they break that down. And they are, they are so important to work because they work symbiotically with our plants. So they're feeding our plants and ultimately they're feeding us. And we don't forget that in our guts, we have lots of bacteria. You know, if it were, we've evolved, we've got bacteria all over us and everywhere. And a lot of people are, um, are frightened of that and they think oh you know that's terrible but actually it's part of the all part of our natural processes and we wouldn't be able to eat our food without our gut bacteria so the the bacteria and the micro the, the microbiome in the soil and the microbiome in our gut are actually linked so we should really be thinking about what we're eating and what we're putting in our bodies how it's grown what that soil was grown in so it, it's all part of this bigger interconnected picture which is why it's so important that we have uh we eat good you know we, we encourage local growing we encourage local organic farmers and growers we we buy their produce and we and we reject the big you know the big organization the big farmers that are actually destroying destroying it all okay so that's sounds pretty pretty interesting i think it's a lot more below the surface than and just composting and it has to relate yeah. to our existence. And so could you touch on the connection, if you could explain it in as simple as you can between why having that type of soil is important for our like overall well-being and like health and nutrition and stuff like that. Well, I suppose mostly what's happened is where, where um, ancient civilizations, if you go back to sort of ancient civilizations, what they did was they, they started to um, cultivate the land, obviously, and plow it. And that released, that released organic matter, actually, it, it as CO2. So a lot of that started to, to release. Now, it took, takes a very, very long while before they've kind of exhausted the soil. So we saw it in, you know, in America is, is the classic example, isn't it? In the thirties with the prairies and, and the new, the new um, pioneer farmers went in and plowed up the prairies. Uh, they shot all the buffalo, killed all the buffalo and then they plowed up the prairies. And then you had the huge dust, dust bowls, didn't you? The soil blew away. 
um, and all those those farmers were ruined. And what had been there before were these very deep-rooted perennial grasses and, and other plants in the prairie. And the buffalo um, moved around and, and, and ate them and they fertilized the soil. And so everything was kept in, in a wonderful balance by uh, through natural systems. As soon as you start to, to mine that fertility through plowing, through adding chemical fertilizers, um, through controlling the, the, the weeds that are growing, the plants, the native plants that are growing, who are, are actually there helping to heal the soil, and but we spray them off with herbicides. As soon as you do that, you start to degrade those soils. They get washed into the, into the ocean. So if you look at satellite pictures of the Mississippi Basin, for instance, you will see all that soil running off in the states into the Gulf of Mexico. So there's huge plumes of agricultural soils which are being which are being washed away and leached off the land. So that's being leached. Basically, that soil is being leached down to the bone, and the and the big these big monocultural farms that you get, growing wheat and and maize, barley, uh, those kind of things, um, they are are really damaging um, those soils and they're only sustained through um, irrigation. So the biggest thing is probably we're going to have huge water crises. Well, we're already starting to have water crises where things dry up and then you get your forest fires, of course, and that kind of thing. So it, it's interfering with the hydrological cycle, with the water cycle. So we need those soils to hold water and we need those perennial plants, especially on the higher ground and trees, particularly trees and shrubs and other perennial plants, to hold that water higher up. And in order to do that, they have to have good soil. And the good news is you can rebuild it. You know, it can be done. We know that we know what we've done wrong. And permaculturists around the world particularly are rebuilding soils. They've already re-greened places like the Loose Plateau in China. They've re-greened, they're building a green wall right the way across Africa of plants and shrubs. They, they, you can plant on contours and stop that erosion of soils. So it's without our soil the all human life on the planet is doomed basically you know um so it's that important it's so fundamental to everything and and what's great is that we can all do something in our own way in our own gardens you know that's that was something that i wanted to touch on um but before going down that path what do you mean by regreening what's going on in china and what's going on in africa well, I mean, uh, well, yeah, it's a big, big, big um, topic that I mean, <laughs> I'm doing with the Complexity University. I'm do- going to be uh, doing this, uh, these talks uh, on the politics of food. So we've got speakers coming from Africa, from Kenya, for a Kenyan farmer that I know who, because he came and stayed with us for a while. Um, we've, got, um, we've got a woman in Hawaii, Chantal, who's amazing. So what happened? Well, we were very arrogant, the, uh, you know, as um, co- colonizers, the UK um, and other countries, the, you know, the Portuguese, the Spanish all went out, didn't they? We all went out across the world. We discovered these uninhabited lands. We didn't notice the Native Americans. We didn't notice the Aboriginals in Australia. We, they, were, they were basically hunted down and, you know, they were like, treated like vermin. It was just, and it's still going on today with indigenous tribes, you know. In South America, in the in the Amazon, so we went out and and our food, our whole food system here in the UK is based on food coming pretty much based on food coming from other countries, 
So we treated the world as somewhere where we grew our food. We get our coffee, we get our chocolate, we get our tea. We get so many imports, all those cash crops. So the people in Africa um, were growing food for us, largely. And they weren't using sustainable um, or any regenerative type of practices at all. So they've just been mining soil fertility. And in China, of course, you have a very different political system that we did that they did have there. Well, they still do have, but they were stripping. Um, you know, they they would the state took control of how they grew their food, and to a large extent in the states as well. You know, the state kind of manipulates the way that farmers grow and tells them what to do, and their agricultural agents and extension people tell them to do things in a particular way. And it was, and it was, it was uh, Rachel Carson, of course, in in 1963, I think, who wrote *Silent Spring*, and warned us of what was happening with the overuse of pesticides and how that we were wiping out the ecology at the same time. You know, birds weren't, bird shells were getting thin, they were cracking. You know, just insects were dying, and we're still in that phase right now. We're still in the midst of an ecological emergency and of course the climate emergency they go hand in hand and it's all linked into into fossil fuels so we've had we've had it really good in terms of having cheap food and and all this abundant fossil fuel which has taken millions and millions of years to 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 go and we've used it up just like that you know in snap of a fingers it's all it's all gone it's a blink of an eye in the planetary terms We've been here for 46 million years on this planet. And in the last kind of, you know, um, fraction of the last million years, you know, it's like a, a centimetre on the end of a million years. If you took a metre and called that a million years and you took that last little bit on the end, you could say this is where Christ was born and this is where we are now in that last kind of half an inch. You know, it's that. <clears throat> and with you, I'm oh, sorry, <coughs> I'm talking so much, I'm drying up. <laughs> you can grab some, some water if you need it. <laughs> I haven't got any water here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible, yeah. Um, so touching on that thing that you mentioned about what everyone can do. So what can everyone do? What can everyone do to make a difference in their own way or, or get involved in doing what you're talking about? Well, there, I mean, there, there are some great um, uh, projects in, in the States, I know, and all over the world. There are lots and lots of grassroots. There are community-supported agriculture, so you su- support your local growers, so lo- support your local producers, buy from them. Don't buy from, don't buy from places like Amazon. Don't buy from big multinationals because they've basically just replaced the colonial system. Find out more about it. You know, educate yourself. Grow, um, grow a garden, grow some of your own food, save your own seeds, um, wild your garden a bit. And we're also obsessed, I know you, uh, we, in this country where people are obsessed with tidying, tidying up their lawns, cutting their grass. Um, and I've, I've re- I know in some states of America, you kind of have to do it, you know, because of the state legislature tells you've got to mow your, you've got to strim and cut your front yard and all the rest of it. We got to fight that and say no. And there are there are there's like uh, what's he called Ron? Ah, oh, can't remember his name. There's a fantastic, um, uh, lovely black American guy who's uh, doing guerrilla gardening and teaching people how to 
how to grow. And he, on his bit of front yard, he grew fruit and vegetables and put a sign up saying, help yourself, you know, and he got, and he got sort of uh, taken to task by the local authorities there said you can't do that and you know and then he goes and does it somewhere else and when there's empty lot so you can you can do a lot on your own um don't kill don't use pesticides don't use weed killers go for organic food support all the good stuff all the positive stuff and just i suppose about you know becoming more self-aware more educated about it all got you um i think those are definitely some steps everyone can take and to wrap up, my last question would be, what is your vision for what you're doing and, and how do you see that manifesting in the future? Yeah, it's funny, I, had a, I showed a dairy farmer around, we have a meadow outside here, uh, which I've been managing for a few years uh, for wildflowers and, and for insects. And I showed a dairy farmer it today, he's a big, he's an organic dairy farmer, but quite big uh, from one of the big, uh, big farm and his son and he said his son had opened his eyes to although they're organic they're still not growing growing enough and i think if we can if we can just show farmers particularly farmers pe people that have got more influence if we can show them how they can do things better how they can have a win-win situation they can they can use uh, they can use no um, harmful chemicals for a start they can have fewer fewer cattle or fewer stock less stock uh, they can they can be more productive they can have better quality um, you know and there, there are I, I would just urge people to look at the examples that are out there like Joel Salatin in America polyface farm is a great example Gabe Brown another American uh, doing fantastic work let's just look at what they're doing Judith Schwartz has written a fantastic uh, book in it I would I would urge people to read Judith Schwartz, the Reindeer Chronicles. I've got it right here. That's a most amazing um, stories, positive stories. We hear so many stories of, of doom and gloom, don't we? And how everything is going badly, that it disempowers people, I think. And I think we, we have to remain optimistic. And we have to say we can fix these problems. We can do it. We have got the tools. We know how to do it. Um, but we unfortunately we have idiots like Bill Gates who tells us you know that we, we have to do it with chemicals and plants can't produce their own nitrogen where, where did he get that from why do people listen to him he's got no uh, you know, because he's a billionaire obviously but you know he's he's just so damaging and his ag one is one of the most dangerous things facing us so we need to stand up against that as well wow I I had no idea that that he was uh, not doing completely great things or the best possible thing. Um, so it's good to know. And I am with you on that, that positive belief. It's kind of the root at this podcast is, is spreading the belief that we can change things and having on guests like yourself who are attacking big things and spreading the message and getting people to become aware of really why this matters. You know, you hear the, the term composting, and you don't think that it's one of the root causes that why civilizations have, have fallen in the past <laughs> few thousand years. And so I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Um, and is there a place people can go to learn more, maybe help you out, be in touch with your community? Uh, yeah. 
we've got um well i i've got my i've got a couple of websites there's dr compost but there there are other ones out there. there's proper job that i'm uh, i set up as well so there, there's plenty of places, but my book, uh, my book has a lot more links and resources in it as well. Amazing. Well, Dr. Campos, thank you for coming on. That's right. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Luke. And that wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, follow us on LinkedIn at Why It Matters and on Instagram at Why underscore it underscore matters underscore. You will find our community of guests and listeners who are forming the next generation of changemakers. Come join the group of people leading humanity into the future. I'll see you all soon.